Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we hear something in the preaching of Jesus that strikes our ears as being odd, that is usually where we may locate the gospel. Here, it is found in the fact that our shepherd lays down his life for us, for the sheep. Normally, it would go the other way around, wouldn't it? How many of you that own livestock would actually lay down your lives for the cattle or for any animal that you have in your house? I'm guessing not very many of you. Of course not. We keep our animals so that they can benefit us, not the other way around. Shepherds kept, wool for their, er, kept sheep for their wool and for their meat. End of story. But this is not how our Lord operates. Instead, he lays down his life that the sheep would live. Dear saints, these are words of great comfort, as well as being words of great caution. Jesus here begins to describe the word with, with his word the dangers that we face in this life. Why would Jesus need to lay down his life if the danger were not trivial? Here, our Lord highlights dangers from two different foes. The first is a hired hand who does not actually care for the sheep. The old theologians of the church universally saw this as pastors who did not care for those under their care. This is true. Not everyone bearing the title of pastor is a faithful under-shepherd of the one good shepherd. There are some who are out for their own gain, the opposite of what Jesus demonstrates in laying down his life for the sheep. We should be especially aware of those TV hucksters who are making money hand over fist from the congregations that they preach at, but they also turn around and fail to preach the purity of God's word. But there is another application of this title, Hired Hand, that we must watch out for, even within ourselves. This manifests in us when we give up our duty as parents of our children, even when those children are grown and out of the house, by failing to teach them God's word. While it is a tremendous blessing for us to have a Christian day school and Christian education all the way from preschool up through eighth grade that's attached to our congregation, and then pretty locally available, a Lutheran school for grades 9 through senior year of high school, that is a tremendous blessing, we should not take that as something that we could just sort of completely hand over our children to those who are supposed to teach them in, in, the, in the schoolroom setting and give up our duties in teaching them the Word of God. Time and time again, in both the Old and the New Testament, God gives the responsibility of teaching faith not to Lutheran school teachers, which again are a tremendous blessing, but he gives that duty primarily to fathers. St. Paul says, for instance, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
This is even the argument that Lutheran Central School makes, by the way. Our school's mission statement says this. Lutheran Central's mission is to share the good news of Jesus Christ, teach children, and assist parents in training children to be witnessing Christians and productive citizens. The school says that their role is to assist us in, as parents in that task, meaning that the responsibility for doing the hard work does not fall on Mrs. McKinley's shoulders or Mrs. Montgomery's shoulders, but it falls on our shoulders as Christian parents in the home. Years ago, when I was a baby pastor in Iowa, I was asked the question about the most neglected part of the small catechism, and I was forced to conclude that it wasn't the table of duties or confession and absolution, but it was the phrase that appears at all of the headings of the six chief parts and above the section on daily bread, where Luther writes this, as the head of the family should teach it. That kicks off almost every single portion of the catechism that Luther wrote for us. Just like the school is there to assist parents in teaching the faith, so also is the pastor there not to do the, the, the work by himself, but to assist, to come alongside, to help bolster the parents as they teach the faith to their children. Christian fathers are the first and primary teachers of God's word to their children. The widespread failure of, of this across Christianity has brought about profound consequences. Instead of teaching our children God's word, we have let others take the lead so that we can do everything else that's on the schedule. And when we do that, we're teaching our children what we think is really important. We naturally prize those things that are most valuable to us. They receive the priority. How often do extracurricular activities outrank memory work or even the divine service? In our failure to teach our children God's word, we leave them to the second danger that Jesus warns us about here in this text. The wolf that comes to snatch and to kill the sheep. We may escape the wolf with our faith intact, but what about our children? If they lack the firm grounding that we received in the word of God, how will they stand up to the slick lies of the devil that the world puts before them? How will they answer the claim that love is love or that Christianity is no more than Bronze Age morality and some sort of weird fan fiction of ancient tales? We have to to teach and reinforce the Word of God because our message is not going to be backed up by anything that we see on TV or in the movies or even on TikTok. If we simply take Huxley's Soma tablets to dull the hardships of this life, how can we stand in the way of the wolf's attacks on our children? People loved by God. This is the danger that we face in this life. Not only the consequences of our failures, but, the mo but most especially that wolfish onslaught of the devil that comes to seek and to destroy those who are put into our care. 
This is why Christ's office, the office of the Good Shepherd, is so vital to our lives here and into eternity. He comes to stand against the devil, and he defeats him in a way that, again, is completely contrary to the wisdom of this world. Instead of simply blasting the devil completely out of the water by his almighty power, Jesus lays down his life. At the cross, he allows the wolf to snatch him up on his jaws and to devour him. But remember our Lord's words at the close of our gospel reading. He lays down his life of his own accord. Nobody takes his life from him. He has the authority to lay it down, and he has the authority to take it up again. In laying down his life before the satanic wolf, Jesus destroys the power of devil of the devil and of hell by simply taking up his life again. He blasts a hole right through Satan in his rising again from the dead. By his wounds, St. Peter reminds you, you have been healed from the wounds that the devil has wrought in your flesh. And in bearing our sins, he rises to life again, that we too might die to sin and live to righteousness. In his rising again, Jesus has called you into his fold. You have heard his voice in his word that sounds forth from the lectern, from the pulpit, from the font, and from the altar. His word teaches us how to speak contrary to the ways of the world. But in teaching us to speak his own word, Jesus isn't simply taking us out of or dividing us from the world. He is uniting us to himself and also then to one another. He is making us one flock. He's taking all of Christianity and rounding it up into one sheep pen across all time and across all space. We are united in faith with those that we love who have gone before us. And we are united with those that we only know by faith that we read about in the sacred scriptures. And what unites us in our common Christian faith, which we speak in the creeds of our church, and we are united under the one shepherd and overseer of our souls, is the word of God. And even as our shepherd guards and keeps us from the grave dangers of this life, now also does he feed us with his true body and blood that is the true food and drink from heaven. And in that meal, we are united with him, but we are also united with one another around his table. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.